welcome to another episode of the Gospel Lifeline. I am Matthew Statler, and I'm here with Neil Grogan. And today we're going to talk about the subject of biblical counseling. Mm. Um, we're we're going to talk about the whys, the whats, the whos, the whens, the hows, right? We're going to talk a little bit about the nuts and bolts of biblical counseling. And in particular, we want to hone in on, first off, what is biblical counseling? We're going to give some definitions. Um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about who biblical counselors are, right? the, uh, the character of the biblical counselor, uh, maybe even some competency uh, things. And um, Neil and I are just going to kind of share from our heart about the, the value of uh, what we are calling biblical counseling. Um, and, and Neil, there's so many different schools of counseling in the world. Uh, I think last I checked, it was 340, 360, something like that. Distinct secular methodologies for helping people for the cure of souls. Yeah, uh, which chaos is is a uh, common to the secular world. So, so Neil, yeah, you know, it makes me think of Matt. I think most people in the world, especially in our country, right? They have this when they when they think about counseling, they really think there's like a unified position of counseling within the secular method, right? But when we learn more about the secular method, what we learn is that there there is no agreement. There's really four there's four forces of counseling. You kind of are picking and choosing what you like and what you think is helpful and what works. And then uh and there's all this infighting. And just a side note, there is one area, Matt, that all of the forces of of psychology agree on. Do you know what they agree on? I do, but you tell us. All right. It's religion. <laughs> they hate yeah. it and think it's you know, silly. Uh, so right. there, there's one thing they agree on in all the things they could possibly agree on. There's only one thing that they actually agree on. So there's not this unified front and method. And so it's, I just think it's important. You understand that on the front end before we talk about, you know, biblical counseling specifically, cause that's a method, right? Um, it, it's not, we do this because, you know, we want to rebel or whatever, because all this over here is unified and works, right? That's not the case at all. There's a there's yeah, a there's yeah. a far deeper case we're making. Yeah, and then and, and don't hear us saying like we're attacking, you know, your aunt does counseling and we, we want to attack your aunt, or you've received help from some uh, therapist or something. You know, just just hear us out, if you will, and help help uh Help us as we build some presuppositions um, for our understanding. And um, just know the Freud, he started his practice on Easter Sunday because he wanted to make a point that God is dead, essentially, that you don't have to go to God for help. Um, because the church was really the location where people would go with uh, inner man struggles, struggles um, of the heart, struggles of the soul. And several other um, therapists out there, uh, one in particular said he wanted to create a um, an order of secular priests so that you don't have to go to confession. You don't have to go to the church with your, your sin struggles. You could go to a secular person. And so um, just know that there is a is a is a, um, a predisposition, a presupposition um, on the point of those who want to help people. 
And so for us, Neil and I, we believe that scripture is sufficient for all of life's struggles. And man, there's so many passages in scripture that cover this. Um, you know, this is a theological position, a biblical position, um, a, a position that Christians have held since the beginning. Um, uh, in particular, we see Second Peter talking about scripture being sufficient for life and godliness. And Neil, I, I want to read that. Um, but of course, I didn't turn there beforehand. So Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3, says, Seeing that his divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the full knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Mm. So for the Christian, we have the resources to deal with our struggles, with our suffering, with our sin in the pages of scripture. This is God's word. It speaks right. to all of life. So what we're say saying is assessment. Yeah. So what we're saying is scripture is sufficient for everything to do with your life. So it's not going to tell you how to change the oil on your car, right? But it's going to tell you how to deal with your heart and That's what right. the and how to do it in a God honoring way. Yep. Right. And there's an actual etymology. So a place where the problem begins, right? The the causation of whatever struggle you have, and the Bible speaks to that causation, and it solves the issue, right? Or gives us the solution to the issue. So that that is also you know, one of the diverging factors between methodologies for counseling, for sure. So, yeah, so go, ahead. go ahead. Well, I was going to say, because we believe that scripture is sufficient, right. we also know that God knows who we are, right? So he gives us a God-given anthropology, which is, the, you know, a fancy theological term for the study of man or, or the knowledge of man. Um, and so we have, we, God tells us who human beings are, and he also tells us how we are to respond, and he gives us also an example to follow, right? So, yeah. so not only do we have a um, a foundation and a true understanding of humanity, we also have a goal, a telos, a direction that we need to be going, and then we have the process. Uh, and so, because we're building our methodology from scripture. We want to use scriptural means to get to the direction that God wants us to go um, for all of life. Yeah. I love that you brought up the telos of, of Jesus Christ, right? Um, you know, the way we communicate nowadays in our culture is that this is a mental health, right? But the real, the question is like, well, what is the standard of health? Not just what seems to be an issue, but what's the standard? And in Christ, we see the healthiest human being to ever have lived right like and the happiest and the happiest right emotionally you know all of it uh so we have an actual goal or standard or a uh i guess litmus of what health truly is and what it looks like in the scriptures walk us how how in how to grow into that likeness right because that's in essence progressive sanctification is is in essence what we're doing as believers so yeah man we that that's another like stand so there's so just to lay out like key differences right 
before we kind of get into the whole package. So far, we we know that there's an etymology in the scriptures. So the first 25 pages of the DSM-5, it if you read it, it tells you we don't know what the cause of all these issues is. Essentially, that's my Cliff Notes version. <laughs> right, right. Um, so there's no etymology over here in the world. There is in the scriptures. We believe the Bible is sufficient to diagnose and to uh, 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 be the solution or give the solution. We have the standard of health uh, to mirror our lives by, and those things don't exist in the in the world either, right? So you're starting to see as we continue to talk about this this these divergence of paths, right? Uh, and and so Neil, why do these things not exist in the world? Um, so I want to go back to DSM five is the right. handbook or, or the, um, the standard of care that psychologists, psychotherapists, and even MDs are using for non-organic issues or primarily non-organic issues. Right. And so yeah. that's, that's kind of a book for them that they follow for coding, for billing and for care. Absolutely. And I love that you just drew out one of the biggest, most important things non-organic or immaterial care. So what psychology does is it tries to address the immaterial. Right. It, it, it to care for the soul is how, you know, Freud communicated it or Rogers or Skinner, you know, all of them, right? It it has to do with the immaterial, the stuff that we can't see. Yeah. The Bible says that's your soul. You have a body and a soul. And this is how to care for the body, and this is how to care for the soul specifically. Yep. Uh, so we we believe the Bible speaks to the soul most clearly, uh, most helpfully, and less with 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 no ambiguity, right? Whereas the world's wisdom for caring for the soul is ambiguous. That's why there are was it five over five hundred diagnoses and. Um, over a thousand various therapeutic uh, resources for each of these categories of di diagnosing, right? Or uh, yeah. what's the word I'm looking for? Um, when you've been diagnosed, there's now X amount of therapies potentially right. that could help you right. that are all disagreed upon within psychology, right? Whereas we have in scripture, no ambiguity, clear clear communication addressing the immaterial because god gave made the immaterial <laughs> and the material yeah. right and the christian faith invented the hands-on care and cure of souls which is really the root meaning of psychotherapy yeah um so physician, yeah. physician of the soul is what the pastor was called <laughs> before 1850 you know that's right Right. Yeah. And, and and so because we believe that scripture is sufficient, we believe that the world and man's wisdom is insufficient. Um, really, humans without God are groping in the dark without any true sense of, of knowledge. So the, the topic of common grace often comes up or, or general revelation and, and things like that. And, and I don't want to spend too much time going into it, but I would just say this. One of the main particular reasons why man's wisdom is insufficient is the noetic effects of the fall. 
Yeah. Um, because our minds are corrupted by sin. Sin has has blinded us is the language that's often used. Uh, we're in darkness. Um, we cannot we can always be grasping and coming to knowledge, but never having knowledge of the truth. Right. Uh, and so even true discoveries are going to be tinged with a presupposition. Um, it, we're going to interpret data a certain way, right? Yep. So the unbeliever is going to interpret data. So if you don't believe in God and you get into a car wreck, you are going to interpret that car wreck as bad luck, as bad karma, as any number of things. And Which so, is what Romans yeah. 1 is talking about when it says right. that we suppress the truth. We even actively yes. suppress it. That's an effect or a noetic effect as well. Yeah, and so the presupposition that a lot of these um, psychologists and psychotherapists and, and those who were engaged in the DSM-5 and those coming up with these, um, these ways to help people— the, the, the way they've approached it is that there is no God. We are not created beings, um, but we are evolutionary processes, right? Which is why the psychopharmaceutical direction has become so attractive uh, for so many of these folks is because it, it must be a, a material issue. So if we right. can just tweak your chemicals, if we can just get the neurons firing, the electric magnetic or electromagnetic therapies, or the chemical balance imbalance theories, which there's just no, um, there's been no evidence that any of this is effective uh, in actually dealing with what is the mind, which the Bible right. calls the heart. Right. So with that deep, heavy understanding, what we're trying to present is a positive way of how to cure and help the soul. Right. We all understand that the soul is um, damaged as a result of sin. And as we go through hardship in life, as we as we sin, we continue to bring on struggles and difficulties. And those struggles and difficulties can and will affect the body. Right. And so we know that all of life, we are we are um, dichotomous beings. Right. We have a soul, spirit, heart, however you want to call that. And we have a body and we are connected. Uh, and the only way it's split is at death. Um, which is what makes death so traumatic, if you want to use that language, is right. because there's a tearing of the of the soul and the body. Uh, and so approaching that, how do we help people, right? Because yeah. that's the big thing. I mean, we see people hurting, we see people suffering, and we want them to get help. We want to help them. Uh, yeah. And so uh, people come to church with the, with needs for their soul, for their for their heart. Um, they they don't know where to go. The world is telling them one thing. The church is saying another thing. How do we get there? Right. Mm. Yeah, I think it's helpful to kind of give like a a somewhat of a baseline of a definition. So yeah, I love that. You know what you went into is man. We all have this desire to help our fellow hurting man. Like we, when we see bad, maybe you don't want to be the one to do the work or whatever it is. Right. But you, you don't want to see people in suffering, right? It's that's right. It, it, it tears at us and there's a reason it tears at us. Right. But here's, here's a brief kind of definition and, and this can go far deeper and <laughs> far more analytical, but just to kind of give it in a, in a sentence, biblical counseling, is the personal discipleship ministry of God's people to others under the oversight of God's church, dependent upon the authority and sufficiency of God's word through the work of the Holy Spirit. 
So I think like in one sentence, we get, we got a ton, a ton there, and then we can, you know, tease that out from there. So the first thing we see is that it's a personal discipleship ministry. So, uh, you know, kind of one of the things that I was bringing up earlier is this idea of progressive sanctification, right? That over the course of a Christian's life, they grow in likeness of Christ. Sin is pushed out of their hearts. They are becoming holy as God is holy. They're declared righteous by Jesus. That's what, but then Jesus, through the work of the Spirit, actively makes that a reality. And then when we die, the work is finished in glorification, right? Yeah. And so, Philippians 1.6 brings that out, right? Yeah. He we that know began that he, a, being a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So what the Lord started in you at, at conversion, he will carry on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And that's yeah, a or, promise. Or Romans 8.29, you know, those whom he foredoe, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And that's so... Right. Man, God has chosen, he has saved, he has justified, and he will finish. He will conform you all the way <laughs> into That's the right. likeness of Jesus. And so for the believer, right, uh, biblical counseling is discipleship. Um, now, it is, I would say, a subset of discipleship, It's or another way to say it is targeted discipleship. So you have someone who comes in with a problem um, uh, you know, there's, there's sin involved, there's suffering involved, you know, which can be traced back to sin as well. Um, and that person has become stuck, right? Yeah. And so biblical counseling is a one another discipleship ministry of the church to help that person get unstuck and get back into the main vein of growth in the context of the local church. So, so Neil, let me, let me just yeah. real unpack a couple of things. One, you said in the context of the church, the church is God's vehicle, God's um, plan to deal with humanity. Yes. Um, you know, that's, that's the, 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 um, the vehicle he has promised to grow. Um, he's going to build his church. He is going to preserve his church. That's that's the vehicle. If I want to invest in something, I want to invest in the church, big, big umbrella church, right? All believers yeah. uh, in Christ Jesus. Right. Second, you said um, in your in your what you're talking about, the Lord uses means to sanctify us. He yes. uses things like the preaching of the word. He uses things like discipleship. Um, I used to call what biblical counseling is something like remedial discipleship, but then all, everybody who's ever been in the military knows what remedial PT is. Um, <laughs> and so, so all the fat boys who can't make weight and tape, they get remedial PT. Yeah, so they Saturday morning. PT. That's right. <laughs> Saturday morning or you extra, you know, just extra working out. And so um, I went away from that word, but that really, in a sense, is what is going on is, you know, the regular discipleship is not helping you grow or deal with the struggle or the sin in your life. And you need intense or personal care. Um, yeah. the, the ministry of the word one-to-one -one in some way. Right. Applied. Applied. Uh, directly applied discipleship in a particular area um, of frustration in someone's life. Right. Because you can't, you cannot hope in circumstantial change. I yeah. mean, that's really what it comes down to. Um, God grows us through circumstances so that regardless of the circumstance, 
we are healthy, right? We are healthy. We can navigate the circumstance, not just bank. When this outside thing changes, then I'll be better. That's not how it works in life. And, and everybody affirms that, right? Whether you are an atheist or you are a devout Christian, right? And uh, everybody affirms that you can't just bank on a circumstantial change. You, you got to do something. You got to work in some way on the end material to help you navigate whatever circumstance that is. Um, the, the difference is between what we're arguing for and what the world's arguing for is we believe that God speaks directly uh, to the hearts of people and um, saves us through the word and sanctifies us through the word or makes us more like Christ, makes us healthy. Uh, is I think I, I and I kind of want to keep going back to this that language of what is the standard of health? Well, we get that directly from the scriptures, and the God's word says that it's it's through sanctification that we are made healthy, um, yeah. or made like Christ, right? And and sanctification is the work of the Spirit, right? So the Holy Spirit is working in us. Uh, and the main means the Holy Spirit uses is his word, yes. right? And so discipleship is word-based and empowered by the spirit. Um, and counseling is word-based and counseled by the spirit. Or is, uh, um, uh, yeah, counseled by the spirit or, or, or done by the spirit. And so when we think about this subject, so I got a Bible, I got the Holy Spirit. Why should I... Why do I need biblical counseling? Um, or let's put it another way. Um, well, I don't feel called to to counsel, so maybe I shouldn't learn about it, study it, or or go any deeper with it. Um, so I've had some people kind of approach me and just be like, "Well, I'm not called to counsel, so I don't need to to know any more about this." Mm-hmm. And, and and often um, what I what I look at them and say is, "Well, the reality is that." this we all offer counsel every every person whether you're at the coffee shop and someone says man i'm really having a struggle with my kid what do you you know what do you have to say about that um or you know you oh my husband he does this this and this or my wife she does this this and this or man i just got some bad news at work or, or really when it really comes out is around loss right oh my my son died or my father died or my wife died and I'm just really struggling, right? And most people are going to offer counsel in that moment. Um, your kids are going to come to you with bullying or or any number of things, and you are going to offer counsel. And so biblically, our goal is to offer the best counsel we can, yeah. right? And so um, all ministry requires skill. Now, we know that it's the Holy Spirit. Um, imparts the the giftedness, wisdom, and and love, right? But that doesn't mean that it's unnecessary for us to hone our giftedness through careful training, mm-hmm. right? So the Holy Spirit can call a pastor, and and use a pastor, but that pastor would like to be the best pastor that he can be, um, and so we as believers, we're all called to counsel one another um you know romans 15 14 paul says i know that you are competent to counsel um uh we also have in uh, um 
second Peter, kind of a, a main verse for Awana and something I've been really meditating on recently for a, a upcoming funeral. And I want to, I want to read it, <laughs> but it says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. And so this is Paul's instruction to Timothy, uh, and he's talking yeah, you a, said, about you said second basically Peter. Timothy's role as a pastor. You said oh, second I say Peter. Peter. I said second yeah. Timothy, two fifteen. Right. right. I meant, I meant, I meant yeah. second Timothy two fifteen. Right. Um, and and that's kind of like I said, the Awana verse. I was in second Peter when I said second <laughs> meant second Timothy. You know. Yeah. So that was that was where the connection was, but essentially. Paul is telling Timothy how to be a good pastor, how to good, lead this church, and his his instruction was be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. And um, as you counsel people, as you communicate with others, what we want to do is we want to handle the word of truth accurately uh, yeah. and effectively and efficiently. Yeah. And, you know, I, I would go further too in the sense of, you know, w we understand that all believers are uh, a in a priesthood, right? A royal That's priesthood. Right. So we are a priesthood of believers uh, called to m the ministry of reconciliation. You know, that's what Jesus has given us, this ministry of reconciliation, right? And so m counseling is a work of ministry, you know, through the one another's that have been you know, put, put into the new Testament for us to engage one another with. Right. And so, you know, what am I being equipped for? You know, it makes me think of uh, Ephesians 4, 12, or 11 and 12. It says, and he himself gave some as apostles, some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry or service to the building up of the body of Christ. And so yeah. you can think of it this way too, man, counseling, because we all do it to some degree. Um, that may mean you do 20 sessions with someone based on objectives, right? Or it can mean I'm at the coffee shop with someone who's hurting, who who's going through something, who's dealing with something, and you're about to offer them counsel to some degree, right? And the question for you is, are you equipped for that work? Because you are to be equipped to do that work because you're called to do that work. Yeah. And so there's this calling given to you. The question is, are you equipped for what you've been called to do? And if you feel unequipped, right, to use an old military term, it would behoove you to get equipped. Yeah. And so that's what we're going to talk about now is why be equipped in this in this work, right? Yeah, so so we know biblical counseling is um, both art and um, and science, right? Uh, we know it's it's art and skill, and um, some people are really gifted at counseling, and some people are not. Uh, and those who are not doesn't mean that they are absolved from studying the the Word of God better in order to help other people. It just means that. They need to know their limitations um, and to, to study beyond their limitations as well. So um, just like a pastor will use every resource available to them to get better, so also we who, who want to minister the word 
um, in a personal sense, we also need to um, become equipped. And so there's lots of different ways. The main way is to know scripture. The main way that you can be a good counselor to other people around you is to be proficient in the word of God. Um, that's through your own Bible intake, as we've talked about a couple weeks ago. Um, that's through memorization. That's through how do you apply it to your own life. Um, and it's also through learning proper hermeneutics and proper ways of interpreting scripture, right? Understanding the genres, not flip-flopping through the Bible and putting your finger down and choosing a random verse and then trying to claim that as your, your life first, but actually <laughs> understanding how to rightly divide the word of truth. Yeah. So that's the first thing. And, and also being prayerful, um, spirit-filled, walking in the spirit, being obedient to the Lord, right? So that's really the, the main thing. The first thing, the primary thing is how is your relationship with God um, is there anything in your life where you are in rebellion to him? Because if you're rebelling against him in some particular part of your life, then you're not going to be a good counselor. Yeah. Um, and another, so you have to be repenting. Another way to kind of reframe what you said, because uh, I like cliff notes, right, is mm -hmm. how how are you counseling your own heart? Like, are you proficient in counseling you? Um, applying the text to you, getting the right interpretation of text, diagnosing what's going on in your own heart based on what the word of God says, and then beginning to change biblically um, based on what the commands or the precepts of God's word give us, you know? So counseling is more than just saying, we'll stop that behavior, right? That's not what, that's, right. that's not where we stop, right? Do we stop a, a sinful behavior? Well, of course, yeah. But repentance and faith and growing in Christ-likeness or putting on the uh, the the healthy measurements of Christ in our lives, that is what we're talking about here. And do you do that for you? So that's kind of the threshold is how you do this for you. And then yeah. it goes outside of that, right? And there's a, a level of maturity that comes from suffering um, that cannot be taught, trained, or, or bought. Um, and so some of the best pastors are those who have suffered greatly, right? We know Luther talks a lot about it. Calvin talks about it, a lot of the theologians. But um, if you have suffered greatly and found comfort in God's word, you are then able to open up God's word in new ways to someone who is struggling, suffering, et cetera. And so um, take... Um, look back on your life and say, okay, what, where did God's word really help me when I struggled with this particular sin, this particular struggle, and then say, okay, how can I share that with someone who's falling through something else, right? So if you ever experienced loss and a particular passage of scripture really comforted you, um, and how it comforted you, was it meditating on it, right? What was the process that it brought comfort, um, Think about that and then learn how to apply that to someone who is struggling. And so what we've done is we've started to move now away from, from some of the, you know, studying the Bible scripture part and how do you actually apply it to someone else's life? Well, it starts, like Neil said, with how you apply it to your own life. Um, and, and really, that's that's the key. And and we know that that we go through hardship and trials, not only 
because we're comforted by God in our affliction, but then we can also comfort others uh, as, as um, first or second, second Corinthians, second my, Corinthians one, second Corinthians tells us. Yeah. 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 So we start with us. So you want to be proficient and equipped for counseling your own heart and using the means of grace that God has given us uh, to do that, to do that work. And then, then we also want to be proficient and better equipped for helping someone else. Um, so what are some ways, Matt, we can engage in that, that equipping, you know, there, there are a lot of stuff. There's a lot, loads of stuff out there, right. In the world yeah. that we can learn and we can research and we can be trained in, right. What are, what are some, some things that you would recommend? Um, are you talking in particular, like, uh, for conferences for and training? Yeah. Or... Yeah. Counseling other people now. Yeah. So I, I first would say, study your your bible with counseling lenses and what i mean is what would this text tell to a person who is struggling or is or does this text have a relation to right so when you read david and he's mourning the loss of his um his son how would this passage hit someone who is struggling with the loss of a child right what questions might be popping up in their mind Oh, was it a sin issue in my life? Why did this child get taken from me? And then you can maybe take him over to Job and say, look, Job was sinless, yet his children were taken, right? And so um, begin to understand ways and means of, of what you're studying. And um, so there's that. Um, I would also say when you run into a situation, look and see what scripture says about that situation, Right. When someone says, man, I got prescribed uh, medical marijuana, you can go, okay, well, what does the Bible have to say about that topic? Is there a principle that we can draw about being sober-minded, right? And so begin to make these connections because when you are in a one-on-one in -on -one counseling session, you don't typically have a concordance and all your resources there for you. So just being equipped in that sense. Um, but there's lots of great books out there. Um and, and we would be happy to answer any kind of questions about maybe some good primers, some good starting places. There's also really been such a resurgence of, of biblical word-based biblical counseling as we're defining it um, in, in the local church. There's been a resurgence of it. And so some really great organizations are out there training people uh, in this. And so, uh, you know, our church has a, a fundamentals training course uh, where we we teach you the fundamentals. It's a um, thirty something hour course. It takes um, quite a long time to get through. We offer it once a year right now. Uh, but you're getting trained by um, well by me right now, but by a, a certified biblical counselor as we go through um, how to help people change according to God's word. Um, but Neil, you know your church also has been doing some exciting things uh, in regard to this, and, and you just took a whole mess of folks to a, a weekend, um, heavy, heavy weekend of biblical counseling training, yeah. um, which, which is also a great way to get started and just getting equipped. Um, and, and not, not because you feel like you have to be a counselor or a pastor or anything like that, but just being equipped to, to handle the word with a lot of these problems. Yeah. So I, I love that you said, man, I'll it, like for y'all, y'all are trying to do this all in-house right now, uh, local church-based ministry and training, which, 
you know, I would say is, is our ultimate goal as well. Um, but you know, when, for us, right, we're not an established church. We're three and a half years old going on four church plants, right. Trying to build in the culture and, uh, set in, uh, key, I, I would say cornerstones of prolonged health in our church. Like we would communicate our church is very healthy today, but we know, that there are things coming that we can't see, can't anticipate, right? But there are, there are, um, we call it injections of health that we can put along the road, uh, to to help us, right? For the things we can't see yet, and that is for us biblical counseling, <clears throat> uh, which we also think is a, is a great outreach to our community as well. And so, yeah, for us to kind of begin that process. We've partnered with um, the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, which is where y'all's partnership is with as well. Um, but they do fundamentals regional trainings all over the country uh, and internationally, I would add. And so for us, we said, how do we how do we get people who often are very psychologized? How do we help them to begin to see the differences, see the nuance, and get some training and how to view all these things biblically? So a fundamentals course or regional training, which does fundamentals, will help you begin to see these things biblically. So it'll give you the uh, the what versus the how, right? Um, there is some of that how played into that training, but... Really, they want to just help people begin to see all these issues, all these different things biblically. So that's 30 hours of training. For us, we're doing three weekends over three months. That will be 30 hours when it's when it's all said and done. For you guys, you do it once a year, and that takes, you know, many, many weeks to go through all of that, right? So for us, that's we right. wanted to take a group and, you know, hear hear really from the best ACBC has to communicate these things um, to begin to shift uh, our direction in this regard. So um, that's the way we're kind of, I guess, skinning the cat as, as one would say <laughs> for us. And, yeah. and, man, and so, we, yeah, this is, if you're not located near Neil or I's church and, and you want to get some training, the best way to go is to go onto the uh, biblicalcounseling.com the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors website, look at regional or look at training centers and look and see if there uh, um, is one near you because in-person is always better. Um, yeah. But there are many that are offering online fundamentals courses. Um, and I and I think there's actually several um, seminaries that are or colleges that are offering um, the fundamentals in a modular or even an online format 24-7 uh, year round. I think even Nicholas Ellen um, has that as well. So yeah, um, there's really a lot of opportunities for you just to get the basics. Um, but I would say, Neil, if you really want, if you're if you catch the biblical counseling bug, if you you believe this is good, the first thing you need to do is to be established in a local church where you are loving 
your neighbor as yourself, where you are um, getting opportunities to sit under the the preaching of the word, um, and then helping people apply the preaching of the word in the context of your own local church. Um, and then really engage with your pastor and just say, hey, I have a, a I see the God's word is sufficient for our life and struggles. And I want to learn how to help people with that. Um, I've been hearing about biblical counseling from uh, you know through ACBC, um, and I really want to to learn. And it, as I learn, you know, would you be open to me helping you in some capacity? Um, and you know, some pastors would be would delight in that, and some may have hesitations. Uh, but that would be just a great first step. And and your pastor may be able to say, well, listen your personality is abrasive and maybe you're not the right candidate for biblical counseling, um, but let me help you in this area, or maybe you can do something in this area, right? So they, the local church is where this vehicle starts, stops, and goes. And, and that's yeah. Neil and I's passion is not to start counseling outside of the local church or to set up a practice or anything like that. It's, it's all about helping God's people in the context of the local church. Yeah. Internal and then external. It's always got to start with your local assembly. Yeah. And I would also add, you know, I, I love that you use the language of helping people. You know, I think a lot of times people get into this because they, maybe they had an issue and someone, and they felt like they, now they want to help fix other people, right? That's the wrong mindset. That's completely the wrong mindset. You cannot fix people. Remember in our definition, we said that biblical counseling is dependent upon the authority and sufficiency of God's word through the work of the Holy Spirit. So it's not the counselor who's fixing people. It's the counselor who's serving people with the word of God. Um it's not about your experiences. It's the authority of scripture that speaks to experience. It's not about your, um, your proficiency and this, that, or the other. It's the proficient way God speaks to these things, right? And works in the hearts of people. Like at the end of the day, we can't fix anyone. We can only show them what God has to say. And and, you know, I, Nicholas Allen has this illustration. I, I, I've reframed it a little bit. I told you the other day, <laughs> but um, oftentimes it's, it's, you know, it's us communicating to other people like, Hey, listen, you know, you got this glass of milk that's on the, the corner of your Island right now. And it's about to fall onto the floor. Um, I want to help you and serve you to keep that up on the Island. But if you, don't want that you know if you want to do something else and that milk spills just know that i got paper towels and i'll be here for you uh, if it spills too so this ministry is a service uh, a mercy service ministry um, that we can be equipped to walk with people through whether it's spilt milk or it's still up on the island right uh, we want to help them regardless so not fix them but to serve them. I would say just to, to close, I, I think sometimes we think that we're the, the physician or the doctor and these people are coming to the hospital and we're going to fix them or prescribe them or, you know, here's a Bible verse, call me in the morning. But the, the reality is this, it's, it's we're like 
the check-in secretary at the hospital. Like we're ushering them into the presence of the great physician. Right. Um, and that's our job is to, to set up the, the, the meeting, to set the arrangements, um, to open the word, to let the spirit do its work, uh, do his work. And, um, and to have God, the, the father be the, the physician as Christ, uh, is our, our, our only hope and what we're being trained into. And so, um, Man, Neil and I have so much more we could talk about for this. I mean, we each you know could talk 30, 40 hours uh, because we have on this one sole subject. Right. And so um, this was just a small taste, a small introduction. We just wanted to kind of cover something that's been on our heart lately. Um, Neil and I have both run across a lot of highly psychologized uh, believers who love the Lord, but are just captured by these empty philosophies for help. Um, and we're seeing um, a lot of writings coming out and blog posts um, that have just obscured anthropology because it's based on man's wisdom. Uh, and so, you know, where are we getting our theology? Well, hopefully it's from the word, but so often we're seeing that it's from man. And so um, the true hope for us, the true hope for you, the true hope for the nation, the whole, the true hope for the world is uh, in Christ Jesus and Christ alone. And, and that's where we place our hope. And so, Amen. um, this is, uh, another episode of the gospel lifeline. If you have any comments, concerns, questions, man, if you could do us a huge favor, write a review, you could write a review on our Facebook. You could write a review in the podcast of your choice, uh, but give us some stars and put just something because this will help other people find the podcast, um, share it, uh, any, anything that you can do to promote it for us would be such a blessing to us. And, and I would take it as a, as a personal favor. Um, and I would owe you one. And, um, this is the, the gospel lifeline, Neil and Matt, we out. <laughs>